When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, we are back with another episode of Reaction Time, courtesy of our friends at Fairway. We are post Cyhawk. Um, ben, an exciting duel to be discussing. I was pretty excited to record this podcast, honestly. Um, so I hope you're excited. <laughs> I am very um, excited. I was in Iowa City. Ben watched from home, so you'll definitely get two perspectives from us. But Ben, I'll definitely start off with your initial thoughts after that duel. My initial thoughts were, and still are, relatively positive. Obviously, you want to win. You want to beat Iowa. All of that fun stuff. I get it. But splitting the dual meet, five wins and five losses, five wins for Iowa State, five wins for Iowa – was I think massive because last year was supposed to be similar to this year, right? Going into last year, it was expected that Iowa state was going to compete with Iowa and it should be a good dual meet. It ended up being kind of a blowout and Iowa handled Iowa state pretty easily. Now the individual matches of that dual meet were good, but the dual meet itself, the score wasn't that close. And I was a little bit worried that it would happen again this year, just because it's in Carver Hawkeye. I was afraid all the toss-ups would go Iowa's way. Um, but to see Iowa State come out, and I thought most of the guys wrestled really well. Um, this is something we'll probably get into, but Iowa State had more takedowns than Iowa. Iowa State had 13 takedowns. Iowa had 12 takedowns for the dual meet. Um, I like seeing that. I like seeing guys get after it, get takedowns. Um, so overall, even though it's a loss, I'm feeling pretty positive about that. And it's not just me as well. I mean, the coaches rankings just came out and they bumped Iowa state up a spot after losing to Iowa, Iowa state went from seven to six after the loss. So the coaches nationally liked what they saw from Iowa state as well. So, um, overall positive and then we can go weight by weight here in a little bit and we can get in specifics of matches but overall i was quite positive with um what happened in iowa city i think iowa state losing 18 to 15 is also nice the score was not that far off i think in the words of kevin dresser it's back <laughs> the rivalry is back and it's not I think when Dresser got hired, there was obviously like a shift, you know, whenever there's a new coach, it means there's, it's a new beginning. It's a rebuild. It's, it's exciting. Um, but I think they just haven't been able to compete with Iowa. And I think the final scoring with the exception of the fluke 19 to 18, where Iowa state just got very lucky with just some very specific individuals they had on their roster. Um, I think this was probably the best 
they've looked against Iowa. And like you said, I think both coaches agreed and Tom Brand is a man of few words on Sunday, but he basically said the same thing as Dresser did that, you know, it was a good matchup. Everyone gave great effort and they looked good. Of course, there's things here and there that could have been better. I mean, ultimately, Iowa State lost, right, for a reason. But this was probably the best Cyhawk matchup we've had, and I had a lot of fun being there in person to see it. And from the sounds of it, a lot of people had a good time watching it. Um, There was 14,905 people in attendance Mm. for this duel. (laughs) So Carver was rocking. (laughs) Yeah. How was the environment? I think I, I talked a little bit about it, uh, before just from when I had been in Carver for Cyhawk dual meets, how, how was your experience there on the floor taking pictures? You know, I was kind of nervous just cause you never know what kind of environment it's going to be, especially when you're technically wearing enemy colors. I might not work for Iowa state, but I'm still wearing Cardinal and gold thanks to Cyclone Fanatic colors. Um, but no, it was honestly an incredible time. Like I did not want it to end and I wanted it to literally keep going because it was just so much fun. I think I have talked a lot of crap about Carver setup a lot over the years, but I think this is the first time where I really appreciated the way it's set up, you know, like the way the seats are just kind of coming down at you. Um, and I think that made the wrestling environment really different. Um, it felt like people were, on top of you. Um, and Iowa fans are very loud. There was a child (laughs) sitting not far behind me and he had some colorful language. (laughs) So I'm talking like it was elementary age child, not definitely like second or third grade, just yelling very mean things (laughs) to Iowa State's wrestlers. So it was very entertaining where I was sat, but it's definitely an environment that makes me just like want to do wrestling every single day. (laughs) So I will give Carver Hawkeye arena credit where it's due that it is an awesome environment. And it was definitely a hostile environment for the guys. But I think, I think everyone honestly just embraced it. You could see it from the bench. You could hear it whenever. I mean, Panero Johnson's match, I think is a really good example. Um, Panero silenced that entire arena. It was incredible. It was something really, really cool to experience just because I think big 12s and NCAAs are so big. Um, but there's just so much going on that you can't really focus on one thing at a time. And Panero Johnson's match, I think is a really good example of he literally silenced probably 14,900 people. (laughs) So it was, yes, it was a good time. I will give them that. I want to go back. I would go back if Penn state was coming to town. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that would, that would be fun too. That that's another one where Hawkeye fans really get going. They're always hyped up for wrestling, but that's Iowa state and Penn state, Oklahoma state would be another one that those three really get the juices going for Hawkeye fans. Um, but I'm glad you brought up Panero Johnson and Iowa state wrestled three true freshmen, uh, against Iowa. And during our preview podcast, I mentioned that I was worried a little bit that the moment the environment might feel or get too big for the freshmen and all three of them that wrestled Casey Swiderski, Panero Johnson, MJ Gaetan at 174. We'll get to him, but all three of them, I don't think the moment was too big for them. I think 
guy town was just kind of outclassed, unfortunately, but I don't, none of them seem to back down from the moment at all. Casey Swiderski was the only one to get a takedown in his match against number two, real woods. He lost four to two, but he was the only one to get a takedown. Panero Johnson, again, only one to get a takedown. He was the only one to take a committed shot that entire match. And he took several. And I think it was awesome to see a true freshman do that in a hostile environment against a top ranked guy. I think Max Mirren was ranked number six. And to see him get after his offense and get after his offense, he came up short a few times, right? He was in on Max Mirren's legs and he couldn't quite finish. Stalemate, ref was standing back up. All right, try again. It'd be easy to get discouraged. It'd be easy to let the crowd get to late in the third period as you've tried and failed a few times to not to get that takedown. And then finally, with just seconds left in sudden victory, he gets the takedown after a few really committed shots. Um, so it was just, I love the person, the perseverance from Panero Johnson. I love the toughness just mentally and physically that Panero Johnson showed in that match. Because like I said, Max Marin is an Ian Parker type. He's going to be a brawler. He's going to hand fight. He's going to try to control the match at his pace. And generally when guys are like that, they can tire you out pretty quick. Panero Johnson showed a lot of grit, a lot of toughness, a lot of endurance to get those, to get that last takedown at the tail end of sudden victory. So, um, I, I know Iowa State had other wins and other wins we'll talk about, but I think maybe the most positive one for me was that Panero Johnson match. That was that was really, really high level and really, really good wrestling. Well, and I think, I mean, you look at the rankings, right? They were number six versus number eight going into it, but it it's just so much more than that. Panero Johnson's a true freshman. Like this is his first time ever in Carver Hawkeye. It's his first time going up against Iowa. It's his first month of collegiate wrestling and coaches consistently. And he did this again after this duel consistently praised him for just doing everything perfect, which is a really difficult thing thing to do. I mean, I think when we talk in terms of, oh, this wrestler is doing everything perfect, we always think of David Carr and really only David Carr. And so for someone as young and fresh to the game as Panero Johnson to come in and take care of business the way he has is incredible. It's, I think he's, I think for a while, Iowa State fans have been saying this where they're like, we need more David Carrs. We need to find more guys that can, you know, fill in similar shoes to David Carr. And I think Panero Johnson is shaping up to be that guy. He is absolutely in that David Carr mold. I agree. And I mean, he also same like David Carr, you know, he was, he was colorful. He was expressive. I have great photos of him sticking his tongue out with his arm raised after he won. So he's just, yeah, he's an entertainer. And I had a interview with him at availability where you know, he said it, he's like, I want to be entertaining. I want to give people something to be excited about and he's doing it. And I mean, he did it in Carver Hawkeye. It's one of the most hostile environments he'll wrestle in until I don't know. Yeah. Maybe NCAAs depending what his draw is like. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped about him. Um, I think everyone else is too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, did you, did you say what he's ranked now? What what they rank him in? He's ranked five now, ranked fifth in Intermat. And I think Flow Wrestling has him fifth as well. Mm-hmm. And he is the only top 15 wrestler that is undefeated. Austin Gomez, he beat Austin Gomez, who's ranked number two. Austin Gomez beat Yanni Dakamahalis from Cornell, who is ranked number one. 
Um, and then the two other guys in front of him also have losses. So yeah, it's Panero Johnson is the only wrestler at 149 who is undefeated in the top 15. The other two in front of him are Kyle Parko from Arizona State and Sammy Sasso from Ohio State. And I'm fine. I'm fine with Yakima Hollis, Gomez, and Sasso all being ahead of him. Um, the fun part about this, as as I'm looking at these rankings, is we're going to get Panero Johnson versus Yanni Yakimalis in two weeks. They're going down to the collegiate duels down in New Orleans, and Iowa State's going to wrestle Cornell, and Panero's going to wrestle Yanni. Now, Panero's had some big time matches in this year. He's Austin Gomez, Max Marin, right? Yanni is a different level of wrestler. He is a world-class wrestler. Like Austin Gomez is a generational talent for America. Yanni is a generational talent for the world. Like Yanni's a, an impressive, impressive guy. Great and way the to fact that it. Gomez beat him is impressive, but Yanni is going to be a heavy favorite in that Panero Johnson match. But what better time and what better way to get your true freshman ready for what NCAAs is going to feel like than to wrestle the best guy, one of the best guys in the world at the weight. So that's going to be a fun one. And then um, Iowa state is also scheduled to wrestle Arizona state this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to get Kyle Parko as well. So Yan, uh, not Yanni hilarious. Panero is going to get the four out of the top three out of the top four guys. He's going to wrestle before March. And that's that's going to do wonders for him come March because he's going to know what the top end guys feel like, what they're going to do, how they're going to wrestle, and uh, it's only going to make Panero Johnson better, which is a little bit crazy to think. Well, I was just going to say, talk about like the most perfect scenario to burn your red shirt, to truly just say, okay, I'm coming out of high school, put me in, screw it, this, this is this is it. And like you said, Yanni's one of those guys that I have, like if I have a list of people I want to see at NCAAs, it's, he's on there. He's been on there. <laughs> so this is going to be a great opportunity for him. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how he performs because clearly he's, excuse me, he's fearless. So it's going to be a fun few weeks for him. Um, Arizona state comes to Ames on January 8th. It's a Sunday. So it's going to be a fun weekend. They host Wyoming that same weekend. So if you want to watch that, Iowa State's having a sale. So it's going to be yeah, a fun weekend. Yeah, two for one. You buy a Arizona State ticket. They gave you a Wyoming ticket for free. So, <laughs> um, Which, yeah, no. So Panera does, you know, did great. Um, Casey Swiderski, talk about the drama of Cyhawk. Um, Casey Swiderski <laughs> in Real Woods had a little... Had a little, I don't know, what do you, what would we call it? Disagreement? Kerfuffle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, those things happen so fast. And I know everyone's like, because Katie, or Katie, wow, Cody Goodwin <laughs> from the register asked me after the duel, he's like, what were they saying? Couldn't tell you. I couldn't hear. I could not hear. And I was not as close to the mat at Carver as I am at Hilton. But I could not hear a thing that they were saying. So I don't know if you could on the TV. <laughs> nope. And it, they the camera angles that they used, you couldn't really read their lips either. Um, but yeah, they got in a little kerfuffle after the match. Uh, Swiderski kept hand fighting after the last whistle blew. And Real Woods didn't appreciate it. And then after the match, 
Real Woods was interviewed um, by the media and the media availability or whatever, the press conference. And someone asked about that little scuffle, altercation, whatever word you want to use. It wasn't anything huge. It was, it was fun, heat of the moment, Cyhawk stuff in my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Real Woods said, and this is only his accounting. We haven't talked to Casey Swiderski about it. Uh, but real, what real wood said was, yeah, that's a kid who clearly is a little scrappy and likes to wrestle after the whistle, little, little bit dirty wrestler is what he said. He's a dirty wrestler. <laughs> and then after he got done hitting me, he said some very personal things to me and about me. And I wasn't about to let him get away with saying those things. So I started chirping back. And so, yeah, what happened happened. Neither team lost a team point. So what they said and what they did couldn't have been that bad. Otherwise, the refs would have taken away team points, right? So to me, that's just good Cyhawk trash talk. A little bit, you know, get the juices going for the next matches. Um, But yeah, so I liked most of what Casey Swiderski did. Him getting stuck underneath real woods was disappointing. And I know that's the thing. If you talk to any coach, across the nation, their number one concern for freshmen is can they get out from bottom against high level guys? And Casey Swiderski found out what it feels like to be underneath a high, high level guy. He had a really tough time getting out. He couldn't get out. And really that lost that cost him the match because he's riding time point for real woods. And then he got two stalling calls underneath there. So that's another point. Um, so that's why Swiderski lost. I'm sure he's going to drill that a ton in these next few practices. Um, just so he gets really comfortable getting out from underneath. I won't be surprised if they put a guy like David Carr on top of Casey Swiderski. David Carr's a few weight classes above him. He's a pretty good um, top wrestler. And just be like, hey, Casey, if you get out from David Carr, you can get out from anyone, probably, right? He's a few weight classes above you, good on good wrestler on top. So uh, I'm going to be really interested to see Swiderski's um, progress throughout the year from getting out from bottom because against those top level guys, you got to be able to do it. Your offense can be as good as you want. Like I said, he was the only one in that match to get a takedown, but if you can't get out from bottom, you can't use your offense. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how Swiderski um, continues this year. I think I enjoy that he is so chirpy, I guess, or whatever word you want to use. Does it make it entertaining? Sure. But I think the fact that he's also a true freshman, I don't know who said what, who said it first, how it started. It doesn't matter. It it, it really doesn't. Like you said, there was no team points taken for it. And clearly the refs understand what this duel is. So I think if it was genuinely like a really serious situation, they would have called it. But I think it just, I don't know, you're a true freshman and you're willing to chirp at the number two guy. <laughs> You got to show some toughness. And I think Tom Brand said it best when he was like, he said something along the lines of like, I haven't had a chance to address the chirpiness with my guys directly, but at the end of the day, the chirping is for the fans. They love it. And we love it, which that's what makes a Cyhawk fun. And I wrote that in my recap that like everything you could possibly want from the Cyhawk we got. And Casey Swiderski and Real Woods exchanging words and having the refs hold their arms like little kindergartners that have to <laughs> shake hands. Because that's exactly what it made me think of. Because if you just watch the refs, they were holding Casey's hand or like his arm and probably mm-hmm. holding Real Woods too to just shake hands and go yep. their separate ways. They showed <laughs> it on TV. They were holding each one of their hands. Yep. So it, it was just great. 
I think it just set the momentum. It set the tone. It made it fun. I, I said this there. It was like none. It was, it was not what it was last year where there were clearly lines crossed. This was mm-hmm. actually just fun. <laughs> there was just genuine fun <laughs> of people trying to kill each other on the map, <laughs> which I'm not trying to skip over um, other matches, but I, I just want to get straight to younger Basita's match because if we're going to stick on the chirpiness of the duel, his match was the next one. That was probably the most chaotic one. Um, I will tell you how I experienced it. The first time younger stuck his tongue out to, <laughs> to, um, I don't know, just mess with Warner. I looked at Nick Ryder, who's a photographer and covers, uh, you and I for IA Russell. I looked at Nick and I said, did he just do that? Like, did I just see that correctly? <laughs> Cause it was just like one of those antics where I was like, wait a second, was that real? And then he proceeded to do it the rest of the match. And I just, Younger Rosita is incredible. <laughs> I just think <laughs> the fact that he walked in with the biggest attitude I've probably ever seen him have to just sit and quite literally stick his tongue out at Jacob Warner to taunt him, I thought was hilarious. Not the best strategy wise. So coach, <laughs> coach was very clearly trying to get his attention, like pointing at his head, trying to get him to like refocus on wrestling instead of. You know, trying to get under Jacob Warner's skin, which I'm sure he did to a point. Um, but but <laughs> your, your takes watching it from home. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about wrestling first. Um, I loved what I saw out of younger Pristita in terms of wrestling. He came right out the gate in that first period, got a takedown. Love to see it. And I tweeted this. Younger Pristita's explosiveness is a different kind of explosive, right? Like this guy is an incredible, incredible athlete. And Jacob Warner was ranked number two. And I will get to my ranking crusade for younger Bastida later, (laughs) but Jacob Warner was ranked number two. He's clearly a really good wrestler. And to be a really good wrestler, you have to have great technique and be super strong. And younger Bastida took him down. No problem in that first period. Second period, again, got a takedown. So I liked seeing younger Bastida able to get takedowns against a guy like Jacob Warner. I was confident he could do it. He did it last year, um, but it was good to see it again. Just reaffirm that, hey, Younger can take anyone in the country down. Um, and then in the third period, uh, Younger, you could see, got a little bit tired, uh, but really got more defensive. I didn't love that part of the match. I, was, I wanted him to keep on his offense a little bit more. What I did like about his defensiveness and coach mentioned this after the, after the meet, and I'll let you talk about that, but there's a time there in that third period, late in the third period, as time was running out where younger Bastida was on one leg for 20 seconds, maybe more, maybe less, but around 20 seconds, Jacob Warner had his leg up in the air, trying to get a takedown, trying to get younger down. And you could see on Younger's face, he was calm, cool, collected. He knew exactly what he needed to do in that moment. It looked like he'd been there a thousand times. And he was able to defend that takedown and secure the victory for himself. Yeah, and the post-dual presser, um, Coach was asked about Younger. Actually, I think I asked. It was my question. Um, (laughs) Where he said that in practice, Younger will get guys to hold his leg up. And did you say 30 minutes? That 30 sounds... minutes is what Dresser said. Yep. 
and just he'll hobble around the room to work on that skill, which if you go back, I I'm pretty positive. I have a clip of it. So if I I'll go back and look for it and I'll tweet it with the episode link, but, um, it is an impressive like span of whatever, however many seconds he ended up holding his foot up, but the way that younger is able to fight off being taken down from that. And I'm sure Warner felt confident once he had his leg up that he was going to be able to get it, but he did it. And it was, it was very impressive to watch in person and it's impressive just rewatching it. So I think younger Vasita continues to impress us and continues to make us sound like the biggest freaking fangirls of younger Vasita <laughs> because yeah, I think I went through my camera, my camera rule and I have like so many pictures of his, but I mean, he was entertaining. I had to get pictures of his blowing the kisses. Um, yep, which, that was incredible. You know what? I'm going to get into this and it's going to be like a quick rant. I shared the whole younger Bastida just blew a kiss to the bench. I shared the pictures and I think the main people who were chirping to me on Twitter about how, Oh, well he blew the kiss too premature. What happened after blah, 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 which I wish people understood that in this scenario, especially with wrestling, why would I be offended that they lost? Like I'm, I'm covering the duel for what it is. I'm not going to cry about it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't mad that Iowa state lost. Would I prefer a win? Always more fun to cover a team that wins. But in terms of younger celebrating his individual win, I need people who don't usually watch wrestling to understand that younger Bastida celebrating his personal weight like when is very different from getting a touchdown, getting a basket, like that's, they are not the same thing. They are not at all relative to each other. Younger Bastida can do backflips, cartwheels and blow a hundred kisses. And Iowa state could have lost by 10 and it's still justified because he won his match against a number two ranked guy in the nation. 100% wrestling in, is an individual sport. There's a team component to wrestling where they add up the individual scores, but it is an individual sport. Younger Bastida was celebrating his individual accomplishment. And I loved the celebration. I thought it was hilarious that he blew a kiss, <laughs> uh, multiple kisses toward the Iowa bench, towards Carver, whatever it all was. I love that. Um, and you just, George Niang did it in basketball. Kyvin Gatson did it back when he was a wrestler. I think when we talked about Nate Carr last yep. week, Nate Carr did it to Carver Hawkeye. Like there's a little bit of tradition here and I loved seeing it. And yeah, sure. Iowa state as a team lost, but like Jackie said, younger Bastida won. So again, I completely agree with Jackie, totally justified and an awesome moment. And I think if you asked a Hawkeye fan, really, they thought it was cool too. The reason they're upset is because the match didn't go their way. But really when you get down to it, I think, you have to appreciate that, right? You have to appreciate that moxie. Uh, and I thought it was great. Now, Jackie got to go on her little rant. I'm going to go on mine. <laughs> and I am on a crusade to rank younger Bastida number one in the country. Max Dean from Penn State lost. He was number one. And I thought that younger Bastida was in position to be the new number one ranked wrestler. Um, Stephen Buchanan from Wyoming, who was ranked number two, transferred to Oklahoma and is now ineligible for the rest of the season. 
Younger Bastida, or no, Stephen McCann was ranked number three. Apologies. Stephen McCann was ranked number three. Jacob Warner was number two. So Stephen McCann transfers to Oklahoma. He's out. Max Dean loses. He's not going to be number one. Then there's Rocky Elam from Missouri, who is right in Younger Bastida's range of ranked wrestlers. And in my mind, Younger Bastida should be ranked ahead of Rocky Elam because last year, Rocky Elam, or Younger Bastida beat Rocky two times to one. So he holds a 2-1 overall record over Rocky Elam. But unfortunately, the folks, the fine folks at Intermat Flow Wrestling and Win <laughs> Magazine did not agree with me. They all ranked Rocky Elam number one, and then Intermat and Flow ranked Younger number two, and Win ranked him number three. So I'm... We have to start this crusade in this platform to get Younger Bastida ranked number one. Again, luckily, <laughs> Younger's going to wrestle Rocky Elam probably twice before NCAA tournament, once in the Missouri-Iowa State duel, and then again at the Big 12 tournament or championships. But in my mind, for my money, I think Younger Bastida should be ranked number one. I think he's deserved it. I think he's beaten more high-quality wrestlers than... Rocky, Rocky's only one and zero this year. He's only wrestled one time this year. So, um, yeah, Younger's wrestled. He's beat top ranked guys, and he holds a better overall record, head to head record against Rocky Elam. So, that's my little rant. We got to start this crusade now. We got to go until March. Younger Bastido needs to be ranked number one, um, and it just it needs to happen needs to happen and we need younger to not lose that's going to be a big component of this younger is going to be the biggest key to this crusade if younger stays undefeated we can get him to number one i mean i'm sure that as the team gets back you know starts training up for the collegiate duels i'm sure that um kevin dresser is gonna whip whip him back into refocusing all that energy that he has surging through his body to be more focused on physically, technically destroying his competition <laughs> um, and not so much taunting them to death, which I'll give Jacob Warner this. He took it like a champ. It could have been so much worse. It truly could have been bad if they wanted it to be, <laughs> you know, he just kind of took it. He just kind of took it. Yeah. And uh, part of that is he was losing and lost. Like when a when a guy's beating you, there's you can try to say something back, but really the scoreboard tells the whole story. And he was losing and lost. And I'll say this: What's Jacob Warner really going to do about it? He just lost the <laughs> wrestling match. So does he think he's going to beat Younger in a fight? Now I'm not advocating at all for there to be a fight. I want to make <laughs> that very clear. <laughs> but. If I were to pick one between Younger and Jacob Warner, I'd pick Younger Bastida in a fight. So what's really what's Jacob Warner going to do about it? So, um, but yeah, good, truly good on him because there'd be a lot of guys who would try to start something and then unfortunately have it be finished for him. But I do want to give Jacob Warner his due um, respect in the fact that he did not react very negatively to Younger's antics. Which I'm sure only fueled younger from the sights of it who kept it going, kept it going. Um, I think with the way younger is headed, the way his training continues to just be insanely good and he continues to be just the more dominant guy in his matchups, I wouldn't be surprised if younger can, you know, overcome his finish at Big 12s last year and be in the finals match. 
Yeah, I, at this point, I'm expecting Younger to be in the finals for the Big 12s. I something would have to go very wrong for him not to be. Um, He's uh, Steve Buchanan, like we've mentioned, transferred to Oklahoma, but he can't wrestle this year. He has to sit out for the remainder of the year. So really, I think it's Rocky Elam, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it for his real main competition. Um, AJ Ferrari's out at Oklahoma State. I mean, he he screwed up his whole wrestling career. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a different conversation though. And Tanner Sloan, Tanner Sloan at SDSU could be some competition for Younger. That could be a good one. But really, I think Younger has he's starting to separate himself from the top ten. He's 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 shown he's significantly better than the top ten. Really, I think guys in the top five are going to be his his main competition for the rest of your kind of like a David Carr, right? David Carr, when he wrestles a number seven guy, you feel pretty comfortable that David Carr is going to win. Uh, same with the Marcus Coleman. When he, when he wrestles a top eight guy, you're like, okay, Marcus will probably win. Now when it gets to top five, top three, that's when it gets questionable. I think younger's in that category as well. Which how awesome for Iowa state. Like if we want to talk, if not to get too into it, we'll get into this. I'm sure at some point in the season, but like just how incredible to find this guy <laughs> out just competing in these um, international tournaments and to bring him to Iowa state. And he is this much of a staple. Um, I think it's awesome, which to change, change trajectory <laughs> and change the topic. Um, but on a lighter note of just crazy Cyhawk things that were said in the post dual presser dresser made a joke that I wish I would have brought up on Twitter, but I just forgot. He made a joke that um, David Carr was not going to be allowed to eat on the bus. Uh, the ride home <laughs> because he didn't get the major that the team really needed, which <laughs> Coach was obviously joking before anyone's like, Coach is starving his teammate. Team. <laughs> um, David Carr uh, beat number 13, Patrick Kennedy, 10 to 4. Um, yeah, I would say, I don't think you've brought up your predictions yet, but I think if there's any prediction that didn't quite go the way I thought, um, I'm pretty surprised David Carr didn't major, but I mean, what yeah. do you do? It's a Cyhawk. <laughs> For sure. I think that's going to predictions that was definitely one i think we both had as a major decision as a major decision wow um (laughs) and he had an opportunity at the major right he got a takedown with like 30 seconds after the third period caught patrick kennedy and wasn't able to get off a good clean shot to get that major decision so that was a little bit disappointing 12 to 4 would have felt a lot better than 10 to 4 um overall i think david wrestled a fine match uh, I would like to see a little bit more offense from Patrick Kennedy clearly wasn't going to threaten David in terms of scoring. So I would like to see David open up a little bit more, but uh, other, it was a good match, but going to predictions and I don't want to strain my elbow, pat myself on the back too much here, but <laughs> uh, my mine and Jackie's as well. Predictions were darn near spot on. I had Iowa winning 20 to 16. Uh, obviously the final score ended up being uh, 18 to 15, but I had the matches five and five differences were Spencer Lee. I had him winning by pin. And I also had uh, 157 Colby Seabrecht winning by pin. Now to be clear, I didn't think Seabrecht was that much better than Kreiser, but I just knew that Kreiser liked to roll around a lot. And we did see that in that match. Kreiser ended up on his back for a little bit. Um, So I had those two matches in pin, but everything else pretty much went as expected for me. Um, So, I am. I do want to point out that these predictions I was right because Jackie and I were so very wrong 
for our NCAA <laughs> tournament predictions last year that I do want to point out when we're right. You know what? I forgot about that. And that was, I didn't. <laughs> God, that was really bad. We did a bad job, Jackie. It's not our fault. It's I was not our say, fault. It wasn't but... our fault. All the, all the rankings and stuff were just so off because of COVID. Okay. I think, I think that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. There was a tournament that was canceled. The The Midlands oh, got canceled. Yeah. So it threw off the matches that guys were supposed to get. It wasn't Jackie and I's fault at all. No, of course it wasn't <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> which I think that was the key takeaway for coach. As he said, as you said, David didn't fully open up. And I think that was kind of the general theme and maybe the places that Iowa state kind of struggled with, um, in comparison to Iowa was they didn't open up as much. You can say the same thing for Marcus Coleman, who still won his match three to two. Um, you could say that with gosh, who else? 133 Ramazan. Yep, when Ramazan. he took the shots, he got takedowns, but he didn't take enough of them. So, but, and, and again, he won. He, Ramazan didn't fully open up, but he still won three to one, which I think is a really big positive And I think you should, it's a thing you should note that our conversations went from Iowa State really needs to open up to win to, well, now they just need to open up to win more convincingly, which is a way better place to be than the latter. Um, That's a great place to be agreed. Yeah. But a few, as we said, the dramatics of Cyhawk um, were all there. Like Iowa State, AKA Kevin Dresser weighed in three 125 pounders. <laughs> um I don't know if Kevin Dresser listens to this, but if he did or someone told him, I was sitting there like, why did he weigh in all three? He weighed in a true freshman. <laughs> I can't remember. Is it Perryman? It's Perryman. Ethan Perryman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so a lot of questions. Kyson Terry Keena dinged up his shoulder um, at the NWCA Classic. He should be back in January. It sounds like it's he's just a little dinged up. Nothing too serious. We'll see him again. Um, but... What an opportunity for Corey Cabanban to make his, you know, his Hilton day, not Hilton, his season debut against Spencer Lee, which I will fangirl about this for just two seconds. Spencer Lee to come out, which we anticipated, every, all of us fully anticipated that Spencer Lee would come out. But I think when you look at why Spencer's been out, you know, the whole two torn ACL thing. He's been fully off the mat for 12 months or a year, I guess is the easier way to put it. So in the moment, once he came out of the tunnel, I was just kind of like, wow, this is actually really cool because <laughs> he's an incredible athlete. And he's obviously one of those people who, regardless of what side of the rivalry you're on, or even just as a wrestling fan. And I think fa sports fans in general, we saw after Spencer announced um, that he had just earned a title with two torn ACLs. Um, I think it's, you can just appreciate and respect him. And so I was pretty excited that I got to be there for it. And I'll give Corey command band huge props for getting a takedown um, on Spencer Lee. Cause not many can say that and not many will, but Corey command band can. 100% going back to Spencer Lee and his, he did gain national notoriety on ESPN. Like it was on sports center and things like that saying excuses are for wusses. When they asked him about his tooth torn AC, I was like, no excuses are for wusses. I'm going to go out there and wrestle like that garnered national attention. Spencer Lee is a nationally known name in the world of sports. And yeah, to, for Jackie to see him up close, I'm sure was incredible because he is a phenomenal athlete. Like I said about Yanni, 
Yanni being a generation, a generational world talent. Spencer Lee is in that same mold. He is generational and he is world-class. Um, and for Corey Caban, he will tell his grandparents, I are pr- not his grandparents, he'll tell his grandparents <laughs> too, but he'll tell his grandkids <laughs> that he took down Spencer Lee. He will 100% tell him that. And he should, because not a lot of people get to say that. And was Spencer Lee gassed? Yeah. He got tired quick. What did he have a little bit of Matt rust? Sure. But like Jackie said, it was his first match back in a year. He'd been training, yes, but it's different. And Dresser said this too. It's different going from the training room and then doing the one-hour weigh-in and stepping in in front of 15,000 people who are all super excited to see you. And Spencer Lee, I think, said this too in the post-Dual uh, press conference, that he blew his lungs out. He got tired quick. But props to Spencer for staying on it. And, you know, unfortunately, he still did get the major decision. But you're not that <laughs> mad when a guy like Spencer does that. That was a win for Iowa State, really. I mean, tech fall or fall would have been more expected. So, really, Corey did uh, an admirable job keeping it to a major decision. Got a takedown. And we got to see Spencer Lee again, which was great to see. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. In the, he said he made it sound like it's his decision when he comes back. There's the way he answered it was kind of like up in the air, but it sounds, I think when you're Spencer Lee at this point, you probably have a pretty equal conversation with your coach about what might be the best decision for him. But I, I'm pretty excited to see him in March. So definitely an, definitely a Hawkeye that has my full respect and support always. (laughs) And we should say that Spencer Lee is a guy that transcends the rivalry, in my opinion. And I think David Carr will get to this level as well for Iowa fans to where no matter what, you're going to respect that guy a lot. Like you might not like that he wrestles for the other team or whatever, but you like the guy, you like the way he wrestles, you like the way he competes. And really you have to respect his dominance. Like he is a special, special wrestler and it's fun to see. And it's in this state, which is awesome. Yeah, I think we're definitely um, very lucky. Like we said about the $735 ticket, as much as wrestling fans, as we feel just very deeply how much these matches matter, maybe not the entire country does, not all sports fans do. Um, And it was just incredible to have just so many pieces of Sunday means so much nationally. Um, I was telling Ben that the video I posted of Spencer Lee literally just coming out of the tunnel, someone wanted it from a news station in Pennsylvania. <laughs> like there was just so many people paying attention to this duel. And I think the fact that Iowa state was able to truly compete with Iowa and put on a good show is very, very important to make note of. And um, yeah, having Spencer Lee be able to come out was really exciting. I was very excited. I think along with all of the Iowa fans and I'm sure a lot of people were, I mean, dresser said he really hoped that Lee would come out as well. So, I mean, if Corey Cabanban doesn't get any more action, the rest of his collegiate career, I think this was a good way to go out. Agreed. So, Agreed. um, but really the only other thing that happened was dresser took a gamble and threw out MJ Gaetan against Nelson brands thoughts on that, Ben. I was surprised because like we talked about at 125, weighed in multiple guys, right? They had Tyson, Tyson Terakina weighed in. They had Corey Caban weighed in. They had Ethan Perryman weighed in. 
Then I looked at the sheet, the belt sheet, and I got to 174. I was like, okay, they got Julian Broderson weighed in. Makes sense. And MJ Gaetan. I was like, oh, is that similar to the Ethan Perriman type of thing where they just weighed in a true freshman for fun um, to try to just screw with him a little bit? And now MJ Gaetan did get a pin in that first week when he wrestled, I think it was Campbell, or is either Campbell or Little Rock. He got a pin against one of those guys. So he has seen action this year. He does have a uh, pin in his record. Um, but I didn't really take it seriously that he would wrestle. I'm just like, Oh, Julian Broderson will wrestle. That'll be fine. <laughs> and then MJ Gaetan comes out and it's like, Oh, is Julian Broderson also kind of hurt? Because we had, we had heard that Kyson may have been hurt for this one and didn't hear anything about Julian Broderson though. So I was, my first thought was, okay, Julian's hurt fine, whatever. And MJ and coach had this after the meet is a funky wrestler. He wants kind of similar to Austin, uh, to Kreiser wants to roll around on the mat a little bit. And we saw that Nelson brands secured takedowns and MJ tried to roll through them. And during the first takedown, MJ got stuck on his back for a little bit. I was worried he's going to get pinned props to him for fighting off his back. But uh, that was a interesting decision because he ended up losing by major decision. And I'm not sure that he was quite ready for that stage. And it sounds like Julian Broderson's not hurt. So that was coach dresser gambling, if that's the right word, on MJ Gaetan and his uh, funkiness to be a little bit of a counter to Nelson Brandt and his perfectly executed wrestling style that was taught by his dad and uncle for his entire life. So, <laughs> um, a little bit robotic. I mean, no, that's no offense to Nelson Brands, but he is a very technically great wrestler. So I think dresser's thought process was to throw a little funk at him and see if he can't get him off his game. That didn't work. Nelson Brands was still very, very, um, machine-like in how he approached it. And it got him a major decision. So interesting decision on Dresser's part. I'd be interested to see if he could redo it, what he would do. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't sound it in the presser when he was asked about it, he kind of just said exactly what you just did. It was just something he thought might work. So they said, screw it, let's do it. And yeah, unfortunately it didn't, but again, it just goes back to one of those things where it's like, okay, you're a freshman, you get an opportunity to go, in this really high stakes, really high pressure situation. And it challenges you in a way that I think ultimately will help them in the long run. It just unfortunate that in this situation, it gave Iowa one of the, probably one of the major decisions that ultimately helped lead them to the win. But Hey, brings the, brings the drama, as I said, because <laughs> excuse me, I was watching them get ready to come out and they were both taking their sweats off. So I couldn't tell which one was coming out for Iowa State. So Dresser definitely told those guys, I need all of you to look like you're about to rest when it's your turn. <laughs> um, yeah, no, overall, like I said, this was, it was a good product. It makes me excited for what is to come, especially as Iowa's lineup starts to change a little um, over time as they start to lose these you know, guys that are finally, <laughs> I think it was someone, God, which guy would it have been? Someone tweeted at me about Spencer Lee and said, isn't he like 40 now? 
<laughs> he's been around forever. So. And part of it is he took one of his red shirts this last year. So like, it's weird to have a guy who you feel like is a senior already take a red shirt and then come back for another year. Kind of like a Willie Miklas, right? Willie Miklas did something similar where he took a medical red shirt in the middle of his career and ended up wrestling in for another two years after that. So yeah. Marcus Coleman is starting like to feel like that. 100%. Marcus was there before I started covering the team and I've been here for six years. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, this is fun. I'm excited. There's still, I would say has some solid matchups coming up. Like I said, Arizona state and Wyoming are their first home duels after, I don't know what you want to call it. The winter break when they, you know, go to collegiate duels and there's one other one. Right. Oh, Southern scuffle. Yep. They'll do collegiate duels in Southern scuffle before they are back at home um, against Wyoming and Arizona state, which will be great matches. So I think as the, it usually goes, I think we're in for a very exciting second half of the season. If you want to call it that, I guess. Agreed. Dresser has put together a phenomenal schedule this year. Uh, Hey, he gifted us after last year. (laughs) He did. Yeah. Last year. And I was going to say the COVID year wasn't necessarily his fault, but yeah, two years now they did have the Iowa duel at home last year, which was great. But other than that, there weren't that many dual meets to get really get your juices going this year. uh, A lot of fun ones, a lot of fun ones because Oklahoma and Oklahoma state are going to come to Ames too. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Which, if you're listening just as a casual fan and you don't go to duels, I feel like if I had to tell you, like, what weekend should you give it a try, it would be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That's what I would suggest. I would agree with that. I would also be fine with Arizona State, Wyoming. Arizona State's a top-ranked team as well. Um, They're not in conference, though, so I could... I'll I'll back Jackie and go with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, just because those are two conference dual meets um, that really are going to give you a pretty good picture of how uh, Big 12 championships are going to go, see see who stacks up where. Um, and then Iowa State's going to wrestle Missouri, who, spoiler alert for people who don't follow wrestling super closely, Missouri is a Big 12 school for wrestling only. Uh, that's going to take some people by surprise, but... <laughs> Yeah, Iowa State's going to travel to Columbia, Missouri. Missouri's a top five team right now, I think. I was going to say, and they're good. (laughs) Yeah, they're very good. And it'll be Rocky Elam versus Younger Bastida, which, again, my crusade, let's rank rank Younger number one here. Let's get this going. So a lot of good dual meets this year. A lot of good dual meets. Ben, any final thoughts? Any last random nugget you'd like to share? (laughs) Rank Younger Bastida number one. (laughs) but no i don't think so i think that's all yeah no i think i i think for once we hit every point i think we said we wanted to make nope we got one more one more actual one what is it tony cassiope versus sam scarlet heavyweight oh yes Uh, how could i how could i looked quite outmatched at the beginning of that one uh, he spent the entire first period on his belly, essentially. He got called for stalling a few times. Tony was putting a really hard ride on him. Um, but in, I believe it was the third period, for 10 seconds, Sam Schuyler had a cradle locked up on Tony Cassiope. And he was down like 8-2 to two at this point or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh. Just go for it. Like, just 
keep that cradle locked up as tight as he can, flip over and see if he can't pin Tony Cassiope and just silence Carver Hawkeye. Unfortunately, uh, Tony Cassiope is a very, very good wrestler. He was able to break the break the cradle, and uh, Sam Schuyler was never able to turn over and try to try to get back points or a pin. But for ten seconds there, the Iowa State bench was going crazy, and Carver Hawkeye was silent. And I think it was either Cody Goodwin or KJ Pilcher tweeted, um, "Carver Carver Hawkeye collectively almost just threw up right there when <laughs> Sam Schuyler had the." cradle locked up because that would that would have been the dual meet right if if sam skyler gets the cradle and gets a pin iowa state wins but uh unfortunately wasn't quite able to do it but i really admired the effort to even get a cradle there and unfortunately he wasn't able to turn it over but fun to see well and i i told you this earlier but like it was so it I don't know what word to use, but it was really cool to see the Iowa State corner just losing their mind and cheering him on. And the coaches were all standing. We're all losing it as well. Um, I think sometimes when you go in, we said this on the on the podcast last week, sometimes when you head into heavyweight, you already know where the duel is going to go. And it's pretty easy to just kind of let your emotions settle and accept defeat. And I think when you, if you just watch the bench for Iowa state, they were definitely just still rooting for Sam to turn it around for them. Um, I think, as you said, Tony Cassiope is an incredible heavyweight. He deserves all the credit for his talent. And I think you can see that when he, <laughs> I think Sam knows that going into his matchup. Um, you just see it. I, I mean, you see Sam Skyler be so confident in all these other matchups. He never looks worried. And then with Tony Cassiope, there's just a hint <laughs> of um, just a mood change. But like you said, it could have gone either Iowa or Iowa state in that last matchup, which made it just so much crazier. And as you said, it, it is insane how it feels when the entire Carver just goes dead silent. It is just the weirdest eerie feeling. And it was, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Um, I'll give Skyler credit for doing what he could against Tony Cassiope. Um, like you said, he was definitely outmatched though. So, but to really only be one match away from, being a winner or a loser, I think is huge. Huge growth from the program. Well, yeah, last year, Sam Schuyler got stalled out. He got disqualified. He stalled so much that the ref told him to stop and get off the mat. Like, that's essentially what happened, right? So for him to go from that to locking up a cradle against Tony Cassiope shows growth. And we saw it earlier from this year from Skyler, too. He beat Trent Hilger from Wisconsin. He beat a uh, top-ranked guy from Campbell, whose name I don't remember, so Sam Schuyler's showing significant growth this year. And while the match didn't go his way against Cassiope, him locking up a cradle, getting a takedown was growth. So it was good to see from him. Which he continues to be ranked number 10. So still a top 10 wrestler. It's not like he's suddenly bad. <laughs> he no. still has solid way to go. And I, I think he'll do it. It's his final year. He has that. I'm going to let it fly. Um, personality anyways so i just think like like we said tony cassiope is just so good yeah so which we forgot to mention younger bastida uh -oh. big 12 wrestler of the week oh rank him number one <laughs> i think that's how we have to end it that's where we end it <laughs> works uh, for me 
as always, thanks guys for tuning in. Uh, shout out to our sponsor fairway again, love having them on board and to see how they continue to support the sport of wrestling. So we'll, we'll be back. Might take a break. Are we taking a break? <laughs> I don't know. They got their, their finals week is this week's dead week. I think next week's finals. And then they got the collegiate duel. So I think we'll probably be back. Will we after, be back next week? After are we going to do a preview duels. of the collegiate duels? We're going to do just a recap of the collegiate duels. You know what? Let's figure it out. We'll let we'll let you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, and we'll let you know. All right, perfect. We're so organized. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys.